Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of the End Time Tribune, this August the 26th, 2017. This straight out of the Washington Post, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely amazing. NRA's video message to elites, we're coming for you. To make a long article short, um, this is just off the charts. The spokesperson for the NRA has come out and uh, specifically calls out the New York Times uh, saying that uh, we've had it with your narratives, your propaganda, your fake news. We've had it with your constant protection of your Democrat overlords. Your refusal to acknowledge any truth that upsets the fragile construct that you believe is real life. And we've had it with your tone-deaf assertion that you are in any way truth or fact-based journalism. Consider this a shot across your proverbial bow. In short, we're coming for you. Now, this goes on to say some pretty disturbing things, and I'm going to quote. The kicker on one of the videos, We're Coming For You, is the particular title of that one, I guess, is straight out of the movies. She said, that phrase means that violence is imminent, and we will perpetuate it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, that is a public threat. You can't do that. But that's not the only thing going on. Of course, Hurricane is wreaking havoc in Texas right now. On top of that, something very strange happened yesterday. This is straight from Fortune.com. Gold futures surge as market is awoken by mysterious trade. That is a serious understatement. So much for a quiet Friday in late August. After weeks of relative slumber, gold traders were rudely woken to a surge in volume and volatility. In a span of one minute, one minute, 21,256 gold futures contracts, equal to more than 2 million ounces, traded just before the Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen addressed a gathering of policymakers in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. The episode jolted the market after a measure of 60-day volatility on the metal touched the slowest since 2005. Ladies and gentlemen, this is true, that everybody 
is a little bit nervous. The entire world seems to be a little bit, shall we say, queasy. You know, we are on the precipice of some magnificent events, I should think. You know, let's consider this before we get you know, into our normal diatribe this week. We'll, we'll, let's just take a break and just understand what I'm going to tell you. Investors have pulled billions from the U.S. stock market in the longest outflow streak since 2004. Now, investors have pulled $30 billion from U.S. stocks over the past 10 weeks. And, ladies and gentlemen, that is not the end of the deal. Those monies had to go somewhere, right? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it would seem that the investors turned instead to emerging markets in European and Japanese stocks, which saw $36 billion inflow over the same past 10 weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, all the investors are in the American stock market. Everyone left and right is being incited to violence. And everyone in their subconscious knows that they're safe haven in gold, right? Even though that is exactly opposite what the Lord thy God says. Oh no, that's not what he says. He says that he's going to make you throw your precious metals into the street. That's what he says. But, of course, he is the one that holds the start gun now, doesn't he? Who knows? Maybe we'll get this show on the road, maybe even this week. At least I hope so. Why, well, you're going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie. Let's ride.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's broadcast of the End Time Tribune. It is an honor and a privilege to be here with you tonight as we proclaim the coming of Christ the King. Amen. Well, let's get Clinton in the saddle, see how his week has fared and what he's got his eyes on this week. Clinton, how you been doing, man? I'm doing pretty good this week. And uh, um, just a comment on what you said earlier, um, you know, we're the, the sound of the gun has already started. Um, you know, all the information coming out uh, about what's happening with the economy, um, the stuff that I'm going to try to piece together today, I've, I've been talking about for a long time. And, and uh, it looks like we're going to have a massive whirlwind movement here in the next, you know, probably six months. Um, and I'll try to explain it the best I can, but this is, um, this is actually amazing to watch and, and combined with everything politically and, and what's going on with the hurricane. And it's, it's humbling to, to be here, to be able to speak with everyone. And, and uh, you know, it just, it's just absolutely amazing. Yes, it is. We, we have been for afforded a wonderful platform from the Lord, our God. Um, you know, let me just take the time to say that, uh, I'm not sure how it worked, and, and, you know, I just got some suggestions from some people. So that's why we got the Spreaker, because I guess from Spreaker is, is, is how the End Time Tribune is forwarded to YouTube and iHeart. And looking over the numbers since we've managed to tap into the iHeart, I am um, humbled. That's what I am. Uh, I know that Brian and and Clinton and I do the very best that we can. Uh, we do all this for free. And uh, I just want to take the time to thank the Lord, our God, that uh, he is using our voice uh, to try to get people to prepare for what is to come because ladies and gentlemen I'm all three of us are intimately aware that what has been pumped out of the pews for decades now has been nothing more than entertainment the bible never said those things and what the Bible plainly comes out and says forthright is rejected. So I just want to take the time to uh, thank the Lord and to thank all of our listeners that's spread out across this planet. It's absolutely amazing. You know, this <clears throat> show not only gets boosted to uh, uh, many countries, uh, we have forums on in seven different countries that uh, most of the people don't understand English so those administrators of those private forums have the end time tribune transcribed and then there's lots of times when I speak about the Bible or Brian speaks about the Bible that they will send me little clips that I can translate from the Greek and the Hebrew to make sure that they understand those in their own languages so we are blessed and honored to be able to do that for all of you. 
and I appreciate all the news that I've been getting uh, from those particular countries. They've begun to send me news items, but there's no way for me to cover them here on the End Time Tribune because, well, I'm sure that you all are aware of the simple fact that we get very little news out of, well, Greece, Spain, uh, Germany. We don't – we're not allowed to know – I mean – here even in Mundus Novus, ladies and gentlemen, I mean if I asked Clinton or Brian right now, well, what's going on in Argentina? We have no clue. We're not allowed to get that news here in North America even though it's just in South America. We don't, we don't get that news. We have no idea what's going on down there. So that being said, uh, all three of us, uh, you have our heartfelt thanks, and all of you are in our prayers. We have come to grips with what is to come. We know what's coming down the barrel. And we can do not more than what John the Baptist did. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and that means something. So, Brian, what have you had your eyes on this week, and how has your week fared, buddy? Oh, what have I had my eyes on this week? Uh, I guess uh, a typical geopolitical storm and the pandemonium and chaos that seems to be on a continuing crash course throughout the United States, which is that's pretty much overrunning any of the United States media sources. And as far as my week has gone, eh, no different than any other week, I would say. Well, the listeners do need to be made aware, Brian, that uh, you have been kind of hit and miss this week uh, with your health. Um, ladies and gentlemen, keep up your prayers for uh, for Brian. He's puts himself to task, and um, just yesterday he got pretty irritated with me because he he expends himself to the point. That he literally gives 100% because he does fear God. And I told him in the morning that we might do a show. You know, if, if he had an idea, let me get it before, uh, you know, like 15 minutes before the show. We wanted to do a show, and the Lord just didn't speak. Uh, many of you know, are well aware of the fact that I've been preaching since I was 15. It was at that time that uh, twice a month I had the Wednesday night service. Yes, I preached to adults. And since that very time, if the Lord didn't speak, I'm sorry, we didn't have service. Uh, we would just uh, – didn't matter if it was Sunday morning. It didn't matter if it was Easter. If the Lord didn't speak to me, um, we sang the hymns. We prayed. We uh, you know went through the normal criteria – and uh, then I dismissed because if the Lord don't speak, I'm wasting my breath. So I'm not sure why that happened on Friday, and that's irrelevant. That's none of my business. That's above my pay grade. Uh, me and Brian talked about maybe it was something uh, to do with the hurricane. I don't know, uh, but at any rate, um, he was upset with me because he – well, he deserves to be given – of the floor when I give direction that we're going to do something, and technically I did let him down. So he had full right to be upset with me. 
But ladies and gentlemen, that's just how the Lord works. If the Lord's not going to speak, you're not going to hear me saying anything. I'm not going to waste my breath because, believe me, I've learned after all these years that when I do that, the only thing I accomplish is sticking my foot right square in my mouth. So many times when I've been up in front of an audience, uh, one time it was very clearly in my mind. I think there was 450, 500 people there, and I lost my temper. And I said a whole lot of things that I should not have said, uh, even though I was not technically incorrect, because if those events would have happened, I, I really would have lost control. I did not lie that day, but that's irrelevant. I am a Christian. What does that mean? Well, that means that I represent the Son of the Living God, and if I not, and if I cannot keep myself in check, I need to give someone else the platform, and I need to myself sit down and shut up. So after all this time, I've just learned my lesson. Uh, the Lord is uh, not hesitant to take me to the woodshed. And for that, I do love and appreciate him because I know that through that discipline, he proves the simple fact that he does love me. So with that being said, we have a lot to cover. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no lack of material. I almost guarantee you that we could go on for six hours and not cover everything that's happened over the course of the past week. But we need to try to do so to the best of our ability. So, Clinton, you have the saddle. You know, uh, it's it's a pleasure to be here to talk to everyone, and and uh, you know, it's a it's a pleasure and a blessing to be able to see um, what is happening. Um, you know, I I try to explain things the best I can, um, so that way, not not in a way to scare people or to have them be afraid of what's happening on earth, but to realize that this has to happen and this is designed to happen. Um, I'm basically what's going on with the world economy and what's going to happen within the United States is, is going to be very unbelievable. And I, I'm going to try to explain it because I actually have time frames um, and, and I can kind of explain those the best I can. So um Typically, most people are talking about saying that inflation is going to be the main issue that is going to affect the United States uh, because of either you know the bailouts that have happened or the quantitative easing that's happened or everything else. And you can see you know that's what's happening in Venezuela. Uh, what a lot of economists and a lot of analysts don't realize is that you are going to have uh, little termed, little used terms called stag deflation uh, before you have inflation that kicks in. Um, stag deflation is the one economic problem that no economist has been able to solve. And this is the same exact economic problem that we faced in 2008. And what the analysts and what the government tried to do was create inflation to offset the deflation. And I'm going to try to show this best I can. And the, one of the things that we need to watch is what's going on with Amazon and Whole Foods. And, and I'm going to start there uh, just for the sheer fact that Amazon purchased Whole Foods, and what they intend on doing is dropping the price of, of Whole Foods food uh, drastically. 
um, dropping it substantially to the point that we had numerous um, companies across the uh, the stock market that had their stock drop substantially because of this move or just the talk of this move to drop everything down. I mean, you had, um, for instance, like you had Kroger that dropped 2.8% on Friday, just their stock price, 8.1% uh, on Thursday for Costco dropped 5%. Um, Giant Foods, an Amsterdam company dropped 7.6%. And the, the reason that they're dropping is because the profit margins for these food companies are based on what they're making right now. They, they have their entire corporate structure based off of the profits they're making, and those profits are already going down. So they're already stretched. Now, if they want to compete with Whole Foods and the distribution channel that Amazon allows, they, they're going to have to drop their prices substantially as well, um, which they can't do under the current model. So, so typically how stag deflation works is that here's an example. Um, you know, if you, if you have Walmart and people are not buying Walmart's products, uh, they need to drop their prices. So they go to their supplier and they say, Hey supplier, uh, we can't pay your prices. You need to drop your prices or we're going to find someone else. So the supplier doesn't want to lose Walmart as an account. So they lay some people off so they can drop their prices to keep Walmart's account. Well, people still don't buy Walmart's products. So they go back to supplier, the supplier still doesn't want to lose them as an account, so they lay more people off. Walmart still doesn't sell products. So they go back, and the supplier's like, I can't, I can't. If I lay any more people off, I, I will go out of business. So then Walmart starts to lay people off. Well, what happens is you have a massive influx of people that are losing their jobs or that are unemployed or, in other words, don't have any money to spend. If they don't have any money to spend, then this continues on where companies cannot sell the product. And the cycle continues. So more people lose their jobs, more companies can't sell the products, and you keep going down to where you have an increase in supply. That's the, that's stag deflation. That we've been seeing that all through 2017 with all of these companies that are going belly up, they're closing, and all these people that are being laid off and losing their jobs. What's going to happen with Whole Foods is going to affect the supermarkets, the, the food supply. It's going to affect it in a very drastic way to where we're going to have the stag deflation hit places that we do not want them to hit, but it's going to happen. And it, it's already, it's already in play. It's already set up to do it. And, and people know it based off of the sale of the stock. They know that this is going to happen. So it's good for us to have the, the price of food go down, but the people in those industries and the people associated with those industries, it, it's going to continue to cost them jobs. Now that's the beginning. Every And the, the whole plan is everything needs to be brought to its knees. Um, the, the companies, they basically, we, we have everything is overpriced. Everything needs to be dropped down. Um, we are talking about the massive debt problems that we have throughout the United States. We have Donald Trump saying that if we do not pass a, you know, a budget plan to fund the wall, do not fund the government, in, you know, he's going to shut down the government. And he, he's talking that rhetoric again this week. Um, he'd said this months ago that the government should have a good shutdown in September. And then he started talking about it again. So the plan is already in place. This is what they intend to do. They intend to bring everything to their needs. And, and the reason is, is because they, they need to bring the price down for everything, for, for everything. And there's a reason for this. If you, if you cause the price to go down, you cause massive unemployment to go up, you get more people dependent on the system, 
it makes it cheaper to buy as well. Now, to, before I go into that, you know, I'm looking at an article from, you know, CNBC, and it's talking about how people aren't able to buy homes. And not because they're not able to buy homes. It's just because the price is too high. They, they, can't, they can't do it. And, I mean, the, over the last five years, the price appreciation on homes has gone up 40%. So the value of the homes has gone up 40%. So if you're trying to buy a home or you're a first-time homeowner or, you know, you, you're paying a lot more for that price. Now, they're, they're having an issue, though, with the home builders. Because the home builders actually cannot make a quality home for a low enough price to where it can hit the certain price points. You know, the, the way the, the real estate market set up is they put everything, you know, like the, the different uh, prices of homes into buckets. So you might have a bucket from zero to $100,000, a bucket from 100000 to 150000 and it kind of goes like that. Well, the, the lower end bucket, you know, that is in the range of $100,000 or below has seen a decrease in sales of 14% from last year to this year. So typically you would think, okay, well, you know, people aren't buying the lower end homes. Well, it's just because there's not any out there. There's not any lower end homes that people can buy. And the homeowners are saying, homeowners are continuing to increase the production and selling of homes, but they haven't built, or they haven't even built at historical fast pace. So they're selling them before they can even build them. They are not, however, putting up low-priced homes, even though demand there is high. They argue they cannot make the margins work uh, given the cost of land, labor, materials, and regulation. So they can't make the low-rent homes. That's why people aren't buying them, because they can't make them for that price. There's just no way to do it. But the homes that are multi-million dollar homes, the sale of those from last year to this year has jumped 20%. So the people that can afford a million dollar home or a multi-million dollar home are buying homes like crazy. And they're buying homes like crazy on the upper echelon. But the ones on the lower end, they cannot because everything is too overpriced. They, they can't afford it. Well, this has spread into everything. Everything is overpriced. I came across an article, and this is very disturbing, about the state of Connecticut. The state of Connecticut is one of the most, you know, one of the wealthier states in the entire union. I mean, I've always pictured Connecticut as a wealthy state. They always have been. But they're running into some major, major issues. The, the problem they're having is they have basically spent their grandchildren's money to pay for stuff that they probably shouldn't have. Um, <laughs> and there's no other way to really put this is they have basically, they have sold their, their bonds. They basically, they, they have sold their, the bonds for the state to basically fund the building of prisons in the state. Now this was the second round. The first round was after 2008, they sold bonds to people to pay for the debt that they received from the fall of everything in 2008, from the crisis they had in 2008. That was the first round. Then they decided that they'd need to sell bonds to pay for these building of these prisons. Um, and they, they said, we, we built way too many prisons, and we're still paying those off, even though they're closing them. 
So they went into debt. They sold bonds, you know, got investments from wealthy individuals. And I'm saying wealthy individuals because if you have extra money to buy bonds, typically you have disposable income, which the average person does not, so you're wealthy. So wealthy individuals bought bonds to pay for prisons in the state of Connecticut that they can't even finish building because they're closing them down faster than they can build them. That's one problem. They also are selling bonds because they have to bolster the $2.3 billion worth of public pensions that they owe people. So they have to pay, and I'm going to again say wealthy individuals who have a pension because, well, if you have a pension, you're, tend to be on the upper echelon because people at McDonald's or Lorenz stores don't have pensions. So people that have retirement pensions, the state is selling bonds to wealthy individuals to pay for those pensions for wealthy individuals. But they can't pay those bondholders back. They, they, they can't pay them. So the wealthy people that own the bonds, they, they can't give their money back. But they have to. The stipulation is you pay the bondholders back first before you do anything. I mean, this is so bad that the city of Hartford is looking to file bankruptcy. And they're not the only city in Connecticut that's looking to file for bankruptcy. So this is so bad. And then you have the governor of Connecticut is saying that if they do not somehow pass a budget or go farther in debt or do something to pay these bondholders for these prisons that he's built, for these pension you know, holders that, that have, are retired, that aren't contributing to the economy, if, if they don't come up with money to pay these people, they're going to start closing schools. <laughs> they're going to start closing down the aid to the municipalities and eliminate funding to certain districts. So you can probably tell which districts they're going to cut, not the higher performing schools schools, which tend to be in wealthier districts, but probably the lower-end schools that are not in the wealthy districts. And they're going to do this by October. So the state of Connecticut is in some serious, serious financial issues, and the schools and the children are going to be the ones to pay for this. Now, we continue on. Matthew talked about the $30 billion that was sold in the U.S. stock market in the last 10 weeks. So 10 weeks. Two and a half months, $30 billion taken from the U.S. stock market. But yet the market's gone up. It continues to go up, which any kind of logic says that doesn't necessarily make sense. The money is being uh, sent into European and Japanese stocks, at the amount of $36 billion over the last 10 weeks. So you can kind of see that trade is almost identical. Now, when you continue going through, the places that people are selling the stocks, are through technology. So technology stocks are being hit, financial stocks are being hit, and consumer goods. The consumer goods was a point of 1.5 billion, which is the third largest decline ever. So anything made in the USA, US investors are not willing to buy, is basically what that says. And so and all those stocks are anticipated to decline on a drastic rate. Now, it didn't hit me until I started doing research in other areas. And I'm just going to say this, and then I'll come back to this later on to it. But out of those is $1.6 billion was withdrawn from growth stocks, so the, the U.S. growth stock funds. So basically, the, the riskier stocks that make more money, $1.6 billion was taken out of those. $1.1 billion was taken out of the value stock funds, so kind of the cheaper ones. But $700 million was put into the small capitals. 
So the smaller firms got $700 million put into them. So be, people are taking money out of the riskier firms or the smaller companies and or that the, the value stocks, the ones that are kind of on the edge that don't really produce a lot of income and putting them into the smaller companies. Now, the reason for that didn't come to my mind until later on this, and I'll, I'll get to why they're, they're going into that. Now, we, we are, talked about the, the tax plan that Trump is pushing through, and I brought this up before in, in numerous uh, broadcasts, um, where one of the main components of that is to allow the, the money that is trapped overseas by wealthy individuals and wealthy companies to come into the United States um, without the tax burden that is applied to it. That's the only reason these companies and these wealthy individuals are keeping their money overseas is because they don't want to pay the taxes, plain and simple. So this tax plan is going to allow them to bring that money over into the United States. Donald Trump says we have to fund the wall and we have to pass this tax plan or I'm shutting down the government. So that right there tells you this is going to pass. This is going to go through. And no one is even debating the influx of this capital from overseas. No one's even talking about it. But I didn't realize the extent of the money that's over there and their plan to bring it in. This is, this is ridiculous. And that, this, is, this right here is the key because when you have stag deflation, which is going to cause everything to go down, there's a small window of opportunity that presents itself. And that window of opportunity is when everything goes down and is drastically, drastically cheap. If you have cash, you can buy, which is why people are selling stock which is why people are selling their assets right now is to get liquid, to get cash, so that when the downturn happens, they have the ability to buy. Now, they're going to have to buy very quickly before all this capital from overseas comes in because all this capital from overseas is going to come over, chances are, in one day. And I didn't even believe it until I saw this. But this is, you know, (laughs) I'll just read this little part right here, and then I'll go into it. Uh, Wall Street is once again starting to salivate about the possibility that Donald Trump will give the giants of corporate America an opportunity to return the royal flush of cash they have stashed overseas back to the United States. Now, later on, and this came from an article in The Political, um, it says, among the decisions that the White House, Treasury, and congressional leaders have settled on, so this is what they've decided on, is that any tax proposal will require the U.S. companies to bring back earnings from overseas at a one-time low tax rate. So they have the ability to bring this cash from overseas into the United States one time at this new tax rate. So what's that tell you? Everyone's going to bring everything over. They've been wanting to do this for years. Why would they hesitate? And why would they wait to pay taxes when the only reason they don't want to bring it in is because they don't want to pay taxes? This is their opportunity. So as soon as this passes, boom, right then and there, if they got one chance to do it, they're going to do it. And they're going to get everything planned. Now, the extent of this, <laughs> for instance, Apple has $261 billion in cash trapped overseas. Google, Microsoft, Cisco, Oracle combined have $364 billion in cash trapped overseas. Just in those five firms, you have $625 billion in cash ready to purchase whatever they want in the United States when this goes through. Pfizer, Merck, Johnson Johnson, GE, Procter Capital, uh, Procter & Gamble, ExxonMobil 
have massive amounts of cash to the equivalent of these guys as well. Facebook itself has $35.5 billion in cash trapped overseas. Their plan is to allow this money to come back in the United States. There's your hyperinflation. But they're going to do it in a way that allows these corporations to buy everything for pennies on the dollar. They're going to bring everything to their knees. That's why the investments are going for the small firms. Because these small companies are going to be bought up very, very quickly because they're going to be desperate. A company that you can buy for $5 million right now might be for sale for what a million. So you save yourself $4 million and then you can use that $4 million to buy something else. A lot of what they're saying is that these, uh, the, there's a, it's possible that these cash holders will reward their executives, so give money to their executives, and investors with dividend increases, buy their shares back, and other measures that could boost their stock price, but does little for the average American. So these companies are going to, you know, according to the speculation, buy their own stock price, uh, buy their own stock back, in essence, purchasing their own company for cheaper than what they could on the open market plus paying their executives, plus buying whatever else they want. Real estate's going to go down. It has to. People can't spend it. The real estate market had, had the worst sales that it's had in, in quite a while in July. And it's continually going down because there is no supply. And only the higher-end houses are available. Those are going to go down in value drastically because they need them to go down to be able to buy them. They have to allow this money to buy their product or buy the services. It's a, a massive money grab. Now, think of it this way. You have the government that's shutting down. And you have corporations that are going to buy everything. And the corporations, if you want to work for a company, you abide by the, the rules of that company. I remember hearing about a, a company a couple of years ago that was going to start testing for nicotine. If you smoke cigarettes because of the cost of healthcare, you cannot work there. Well, if the companies own everything, and if you have trillions of dollars coming back in the United States in one day to buy everything, you're going to abide by the company laws, not the government laws, especially if the government's shut down. Now, most government shutdowns don't last very long. But what if they do? And, and what I mean by a long time is even just a couple months is a long time where you have government employees, military, everyone else that doesn't get a paycheck because the government shut down. Here's the other piece. If you're the government and you're going to make sure you get a piece of this pie, how are you going to do that? Well, you're going to do it through the banking system. Well, because the Federal Reserve is a private company, and you have already bailed out the banks once to prop everything up to make sure that they can keep everything running for you, you're going to make sure the banks have their opportunity as well. Now, the insurance companies and the banks, and this is the one, one main reason they wanted to push through this healthcare bill, is because they want to allow the insurance companies to get at their reserves. The, the way the insurance company and the banking system works is they have to have a certain amount of cash in their reserves to pay for their losses. That percentage is regulated and that percentage is dictated to them. They don't have the ability to choose that. And they cry saying that is too high. Well, the healthcare bill was going to allow them to tap into those reserves so that they could have access to do whatever they wanted to with those funds. 
That's why they're pushing through the health care bill is so the insurance companies can buy whatever they need to as well. With the banks, though, they're in the same situation. They're in the exact same situation to where they have to have this reserve amount, and they say it's too high. They say they can't compete with European banks or whoever else. Whatever excuse they want to give, they can't compete because they have to, they have to save too much money. Now, consider this. This is your money that you put in the bank that they hold on to for you, that they invest to make money that you have in the bank. So technically, the bank that, the money that you have in the bank isn't really there. They use it to invest it. Now, everyone was talking about this meeting in Jackson Hole with, with Janet Yellen and the Fed and what was coming out. And this is from the Wall Street Journal. They, they, one of the big things that they talked about is this possible Volcker rule. And, and you know, they, they write it up in a lot of jargon that, you know, it's hard to explain to a lot of people. But basically what this plan is, is to change the regulations so that way the banks can tap into these reserves as well to where they don't have to hold on to the higher amount of reserves. Plain and simple. That is what they are going after. Now, Janet Yellen didn't say yes. And she didn't say no either. She said well, we'll consider it. But here's your time frame. So Donald Trump, President of the United States, said that the government should have a good shutdown in September. He said it again. They plan on causing everything to go down. Typically, you're going to allow it to go down for a period of time before you allow it to go back up. The old adage of everyone that's ever invested in anything is buy low, sell high. That's the plan. Janet Young leaves in February. Her term expires in February. If she's renewed, she probably will not allow this deregulation to happen in the banking system. If she is not renewed, whoever is put into place, I can almost guarantee, is going to be for the deregulation of the, the banking system. Plain and simple. It fits. If you're going to allow the banks to have a piece of the pie and buy everything that they need, <laughs> you're going to allow them to do it. And you're going to put someone in place that's going to allow this rule, this Volcker rule, to happen. So there's your time frame. So there's a strong possibility that from September to February may be a very, very um, dangerous time, very difficult time, very chaotic time. Not even counting what the UN came out and said, where they are actually giving a warning, which they've only given, I think, five times in the last eight years. And in each country, they've given this warning to civil wars broken out. And they've given that warning to the United States because of the civil unrest that's rising and their concerns that a civil war could possibly break out in the United States. If they cause this massive deflationary cycle to where everything goes down, to where People are losing their jobs left and right. Economics has proven that civil unrest increases during times like that. Look at Venezuela. Look at what's happening in Venezuela. You take away their money, you turn in hyperinflation, you make it to where they can't feed for themselves, and chaos ensues. And then what does the United States turn around and do? We put regulations on Venezuela to where they do not have access to the banking system in the United States. In other words, 
they cannot take out a loan from the United States to feed their people. And they're, and they're basically saying, well, we don't want the, you know, Venezuela to take out a loan to funnel money to the dictatorship that's ensuing in Venezuela. Yeah. Um, just to give you an idea, back in uh, uh, earlier this year, Goldman Sachs gave them a $2.8 billion loan to basically keep the lights on, to keep the country going, to make it so that way the people don't starve more than what they are already starving. We just turned that off. We just made it to where they are not able to do that through the United States banking system, through the U.S. dollar, through basically the world currency. They're not going to be able to do that. The reason for that, though, is a little bit more sinister. Everyone thinks it's oil. But Matthew alluded to it earlier. It's not. It's gold. The reason for it is gold. And here's another bit of the time. Venezuela has $10 billion in assets available. $10 billion. The majority of that is in gold. The majority is in gold bars. So they would have to unload the gold bars to make it liquid to keep the lights on. Now they have no access to the banking system, so this is their only option. They owe $3.8 billion in bond payments that is due in the fourth quarter of this year. So they have 10 billion and basically 4 billion of it is going straight out the door. And the only way they can raise the money to, to pay the wealthy individuals that own the bonds is to sell gold. The only way. If you are in a situation like Fort Knox is in and you have speculation that there's not any gold in Fort Knox. And this has been going around for a long time. You know, Ron Paul said we should audit the, you know, Fort Knox and the Fed because we don't believe there's any gold there. This has been going on for a while. If we don't have any gold, how are we going to get the gold? Well, we ran into this problem already once. Germany came out and said that they wanted their gold seven or four years ago. They, they said they, and the, what this was is basically after World War II, they started doing better. They invested uh, their money into gold, and then they got worried about the Soviet Union coming in to invade them. So they gave us the gold to put in Fort Knox to protect it. And it sat there, even all the way through the 70s when everything was deregulated. And um, they asked for their gold back, which should be just, okay, well, you, we gave it to you. Just pick it up and hand it to us. And we told them, no, it's going to take seven years to get it to you. And they're like, well, why? And we wouldn't give them any answers. We wouldn't tell them otherwise. Well, we just filled that order to them. We, we did it in, I think it was three years early. So we did it in speedy time. But what's that tell you is we had to go out in the open market and buy the gold. And if you look at the bars that we gave Germany, you would think that they'd have some kind of signa or some kind of marker saying this is their bar. No, the bars that we gave them are brand new. They look like they were just created. There's no insignia on them. It doesn't look like they were given to us in the 40s. Nothing. They're brand new. So that tells you right there, we don't have any gold in Fort Knox. Or we don't have the amount of gold that we tell the world that we have. So how are we going to get it? Well, we're going to pinch Venezuela to sell their gold to us to have access to our banking system. That is part of the direction that's going. Now, this is not just happening in the United States. This is also happening in Europe. Europe right now, Italy, France, Germany are putting together legislation so that way the Chinese can stop coming in and buying everything up. 
They were so afraid of the Chinese going into Europe and buying everything because they've been doing that to the United States and Europe that they're putting regulation together to stop it. Well, what's the most recent move that Chinese is talking about doing? They're talking about buying Jeep from Chrysler or from Fiat. And at first they were talking about buying all of Chrysler. This is the extent of this economic war that Donald Trump's talked about, the China's talked about. This is where it's headed, is we are about ready to see corporations buy everything. And they're going to try to do it before the Chinese and Russia buy everything. Russia just paid off all the Soviet Union's debt. Everything the Soviet Union had when they crashed is paid off. They don't have any more debt on it. Done. We're about ready to see a massive buying spree, but everything's got to come down to its knees to the cheapest value they can before they start buying everything. That's how you do it. That's the plan. So I hope I laid it out for you guys the best I can. I know it's a lot of information, but we got some crazy times ahead of us. And I'll leave you with one thing. If, If you don't have a home now and you haven't bought a home now, there's a strong possibility that after everything comes down, if you don't buy it then, that it's going to go up through the roof. When all these corporations bring these trillions of dollars in the United States, assets like homes, land, everything else is going to go through the roof to where if you don't own it now, you will not have the ability to own it. So hold on to your hat, guys. We've got a lot of crazy things heading our way. I'll hand it back over to you, Matt. Well, let me say this, ladies and gentlemen. I, I have many friends in various municipal governments. And and you really do need to know this. You you really do need to understand and wrap your mind around this. Let me just pick one. Let's take Chicago. You need to understand with your mind, ladies and gentlemen, they never take in enough taxes in one year to run the government. You need to understand that. You need to understand for decades. Take, for example, the last major metropolitan area that I lived in, uh, home of a major university. I had intimate conversations because uh, I was remodeling uh, a person that was on the city council. And you need to understand that if they don't get the loans, they don't have the money to pay the school teachers, libraries, there's not enough money to pave the roads. And you ask yourself, well, why? Well, the immediate response that I was given was because the people of that city doesn't understand that a lot of that money is just going to pay pensions, people that have retired 20 years ago. And they're actually getting bigger paychecks than the people that work now. And the taxpaying citizens wrap their minds around this. Let me say it real painfully slow for you this time. It doesn't matter what city you're in. That city does not take in enough taxes every year to cover that municipality's government needs. Not ever, ladies and gentlemen. Enough taxes haven't been coming in for decades. 
Ladies and gentlemen, wrap your minds around this. Do you know how many paychecks must go out from Chicago every month? You've got the Port Authority. You've got the police force. Ladies and gentlemen, do you have any idea what the Chicago (laughs) Fire Department consumes on a yearly basis? You don't know, do you? Ladies and gentlemen, there's not enough taxes coming in to cover that city's expenditures, not not in decades. So you need to understand that – you need to wrap your mind around this, that what has happened to Venezuela can happen to your city, every city in the United States. You need to wrap your mind around that, and you need to begin to investigate. I guarantee you that upwards of 99.9% of everyone who's listening to this broadcast just in the United States have never been to a city council meeting, has never demanded to see the bottom line. You've never demanded to see how much was our total taxes we brought in last year. Now, how much was our total expenditures last year? 99.9% of you have never done that. And you remain inside this illusion that you're stuck in voluntarily. You get off work, you come home, you fix up something to eat, plop down in the lazy boy… And turn the local news on, and there you have it. And they tell you everything you want to hear. But that's the what you want. And they know that's what you want. They know that you don't want the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, let me... The thing I'm getting ready to talk about, they're real. Brian just sent me links. Now, 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 ladies and gentlemen, this is the headline from CBS. Changes coming to U.S. protected lands, but details unknown. Well, of course they're unknown, ladies and gentlemen. Now, you understand that Interior Secretary said that 27 uh, monuments would not be rescinded, Uh, but he would push for boundary changes on a handful and left open the possibility of allowing drilling, mining, and other industries on the site. Oh my goodness. Conservationalists and tribal leaders uh, responded with alarm and distrust, demanding a full release of the recommendations. And vowing to challenge attempts to shrink any monuments. You know, the problem is is that the full report is not available. They're not going to tell you until it's too late. Now, 
Ladies and gentlemen, we're getting ready to complete this kleptocracy because that's what it is. That's basically what Clinton was trying to say. They're getting ready to make it official that this is a kleptocracy. Do you know that? Well, first off, you all should have a clue about that because that comes from the Koinonia Greek for steel. Okay? A kleptocracy is a government ran by the barons and the bankers. They just take all the natural resources. Well, Clinton reminded you all, Venezuela, how can they have $10 billion in assets? They can't do anything with it. The Venezuelan people's stuff. That means it's a kleptocracy, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, it's – they're just about to make it official. So it, it amazes me how people can't – I bet that most of you – well, here we're probably back to that number, probably 99%. Of you did not know this was going on under the table. This was just released yesterday. Ladies and gentlemen, how can they be keeping what they're going to do secret? Keep what you politicians cannot keep secret what they're going to do to their own people. But yet that's exactly what they're going to and this should get your uh your 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 ears perked up. It was kind of an unmonumental monument announcement said uh, Kathleen Sagma the oil industry trade group Western Energy Alliance. <laughs> she knew exactly ladies and gentlemen, she's probably the one that set the recommendations which that's exactly what they're going to do. Ladies and gentlemen, well, <clears throat> let's let's talk about some other real things. India flooded last week, and I was gonna I was gonna try to cover it, but I was waiting for that perfect article to come out. Aswam flood fury. National Park, there is now a river of dead animals. Nearly 225 animals have been reportedly killed in the worst flood situation in the state uh, since 1988. Now, let's just wrap our mind around some of the things here. Killed 15 rhinos, 194 deer. Bengal tigers, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, look at the pictures. It has literally become a river of dead animals. That's that's why that's what the head, that's how the headline describes it. 
a little bit closer to home. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the states. Let me give you a little bit of a riddle, shall I? Uh, this state is the home of the largest cast iron statue in the world. You might want to look into that because it might be kind of important. But anyway, uh, Lake Martin. Volunteers have found hundreds of dead striped bass in the shorelines of Goat Island near Martin Dam on Lake Martin in the past two weeks. They go on to say, it's just amazing, just, just this one quote. Its DNA demands different water requirements in terms of temperatures. And so you have a situation like this, dead fish and with a pugnant spell, smell. Ladies and gentlemen, they're trying to overlay the simple fact that this massive fish kill is because the water was of the incorrect temperature. This also came out this week. You all need to know what's going on in Yellowstone. Dozens of dead fish found in Yellowstone River. Billings, Montana. Uh, wildlife officials are finding more dead fish in the Yellowstone River and are trying to determine if they were killed of a parasite that prompted a shutdown of the popular waterway last year. It, it is amazing to me uh, that uh, this fish kill, uh, they think that it may be uh, – actually, they're hoping it's from a parasite uh, because some time ago they had to shut down the entire waterway because of a proliferative kidney disease in the fish. They're hoping it's not that. But ladies and gentlemen, these are real things, and I'm sharing this information with you so you can begin to count the corpses, ladies and gentlemen. Something is terribly amiss. I'm going to tell you something of a personal matter with the eclipse. Most of you know that I took… Astronomy and an institution of higher learning, and I am quite proficient at it. It was scheduled, been scheduled. The mathematics had been gone over literally thousands of times that I was at. So it was supposed to have 88% coverage. I assure you, ladies and gentlemen, we listened to the radio live as we were working and the person on the radio got very upset. He was quite young, younger generation. And he came out and said, well, I had my glass on. That didn't look like 20%. That's because the sky barely even changed color. It was nowhere remote. You couldn't even tell what was going on, really. It looked like there was just a cloud over the sun. And it was supposed to be... 88%. I have already been in contact with four different professors, four different universities, two of which house national telescopes. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care what the, 
what the entertainment industry tells you? The eclipse was not in the right path. It was too far south. And not only that, all the astronomers on this planet know it at an academic level. But that is neither here nor there. I will tell you something. What the Lord our God has delivered to us by way of Job chapters 17 through 20, now that is critically important. Oh my goodness, the wealth of the technical data in Hebrew that is delivered in these chapters is just absolutely phenomenal. And when you get into the Greek of the matter, it truly is a display of his wonders. So let us take 8 minutes and 38 seconds. Let us all take the time to really consider what it is that the Lord our God has delivered unto us, shall we? book of Job, chapter 17. My breath is corrupt. My days are extinct. The graves are ready for me. Are there not mockers with me? And doth not mine eye continue in their provocation? Lay down now. Put me in a surety with thee. Who is he that will strike hands with me? For thou hast hid their heart from understanding. Therefore shalt thou not exalt them. He that speaketh flattery to his friends, even the eyes of his children shall fail. He has made me also a byword of the people, and aforetime I was as a tabret. Mine eye also is dim by reason of sorrow, and all my members are as a shadow. Upright men shall be astonished at this, and the innocent shall stir up himself against the hypocrite. The righteous also shall hold on his way, and he that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. But as for you all, do ye return and come now, for I cannot find one wise man among you. My days are past, my purposes are broken off, even the thoughts of my heart. They change the night into day, the light is short because of darkness. If I wait, the grave is mine house. I have made my bed in the darkness. I have said to corruption, thou art my father, to the worm, thou art my mother and my sister. And where is now my hope? As for my hope, who shall see it? They shall go down to the bars of the pit, when our rest together is in the dust. Chapter 18 Then answered Bildad the Shuhite and said, How long will it be ere ye make an end of words? Mark, and afterwards we will speak. Wherefore are we counted as beasts and reputed vile in your sight? He heareth himself in his anger. Shall the earth be forsaken for thee? And shall the rock be removed out of his place? Yea, the light of the wicked shall be put out, and the spark of his fire shall not shine. The light shall be dark in his tabernacle, and his candle shall be put out with him. The steps of his strength shall be straightened, and his own counsel shall cast him down. For he is cast into a net by his own feet, and he walketh upon a snare. The jinn shall take him by the heel, and the robber shall prevail against him. The snare is laid for him in the ground, and a trap for him in the way. Terrors shall make him afraid on every side, and shall drive him to his feet. 
His strength shall be hunger-bitten, and destruction shall be ready at his side. It shall devour the strength of his skin. Even the firstborn of death shall devour his strength. His confidence shall be rooted out of his tabernacle, and it shall bring him to the king of terrors. It shall dwell in his tabernacle, because it is none of his. Brimstone shall be scattered upon his habitation. His roots shall be dried up beneath, and above shall his branch be cut off. His remembrance shall perish from the earth, and he shall have no name in the street. He shall be driven from light into darkness and chased out of the world. He shall neither have son nor nephew among his people, nor any remaining in his dwelling. They that come after him shall be astonished at his day, as they that went before were affrighted. Surely such are the dwellings of the wicked, and this is the place of him that knoweth not God. Chapter 19 Then Job answered and said, How long will ye vex my soul and break me in pieces with words? These ten times have ye reproached me. Ye are not ashamed that ye make yourselves strange to me. And be it indeed that I have erred. Mine error remaineth with myself. If indeed ye will magnify yourselves against me, and plead against me my reproach, know now that God hath overthrown me, and hath compassed me with his net. Behold, I cry out of wrong, but I am not heard. I cry aloud, but there is no judgment. He hath fenced up my way that I cannot pass, and he hath set darkness in my paths. He hath stripped me of my glory, and taken the crown from my head. He hath destroyed me on every side, and I am gone. And mine hope hath he removed like a tree. He hath also kindled his wrath against me, and he counteth me unto him as one of his enemies. His troops come together and raise up their way against me, and encamp round about my tabernacle. He hath put my brethren far from me, and mine acquaintance are verily estranged from me. My kinsfolk have failed, and my familiar friends have forgotten me. They that dwell in mine house, and my maids, count me for a stranger. I am an alien in their sight. I called my servant, and he gave me no answer. I entreated him with my mouth. My breath is strange to my wife, though I entreated for the children's sake of mine own body. Yea, young children despise me. I arose, and they spake against me. All my inward friends abhorred me, and they whom I loved are turned against me. My bone cleaveth to my skin and to my flesh, and I am escaped with the skin of my teeth. Have pity upon me. Have pity upon me, O ye, my friends, for the hand of God hath touched me. Why do ye persecute me as God, and are not satisfied with my flesh? Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book that they were graven with an iron pen and lead in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another though my reins be consumed within me. But ye should say, Why persecute we him, seeing the root of the matter is found in me? Be ye afraid of the sword, for wrath bringeth the punishment of the sword, that ye may know there is a judgment. Chapter 20 Then answered Zophar the Naamathite and said, Therefore do my thoughts cause me to answer, and for this I make haste. I have heard the check of my reproach, and the spirit of my understanding causeth me to answer. Knowest thou not this of old, since man was placed upon earth, that the triumphing of the wicked is short, and the joy of the hypocrite but for a moment? Though his excellency mount up to the heavens, and his head reach unto the clouds, yet he shall perish forever like his own dung. They which have seen him shall say, Where is he? 
He shall fly away as a dream and shall not be found. Yea, he shall be chased away as a vision of the night. The eye also which saw him shall see him no more, neither shall his place any more behold him. His children shall seek to please the poor, and his hands shall restore their goods. His bones are full of the sin of his youth, which shall lie down with him in the dust. Though wickedness be sweet in his mouth, though he hide it under his tongue, though he spare it and forsake it not, but keep it still within his mouth, yet his meat in his bowels is turned. It is the gall of asps within him. He hath swallowed down riches, and he shall vomit them up again. God shall cast them out of his belly. He shall suck the poison of asps. The viper's tongue shall slay him. He shall not see the rivers, the floods, the brooks of honey and butter. That which he labored for shall he restore, and shall not swallow it down. According to his substance shall the restitution be, and he shall not rejoice therein. Because he hath oppressed and hath forsaken the poor, because he hath violently taken away an house which he builded not, surely he shall not feel quietness in his belly. He shall not save of that which he desired. There shall none of his meat be left. Therefore shall no man look for his goods. In the fullness of his sufficiency, he shall be in straits. Every hand of the wicked shall come upon him. When he is about to fill his belly, God shall cast the fury of his wrath upon him and shall rain it upon him while he is eating. He shall flee from the iron weapon and the bow of steel shall strike him through. It is drawn and cometh out of the body. Yea, the glittering sword cometh out of his gall. Terrors are upon him. All darkness shall be hid in his secret places. A fire not blown shall consume him. It shall go ill with him that is left in his tabernacle. The heaven shall reveal his iniquity, and the earth shall rise up against him. The increase of his house shall depart, and his goods shall flow away in the day of his wrath. This is the portion of a wicked man from God, and the heritage appointed unto him by God. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to this week's edition of the End Time Tribune. It is time to get Brian in the saddle, get his news feed. I am sure that he's had his eyes spread across the globe. I'm kind of looking forward to uh, him addressing some of the particular issues that he found yesterday about Venezuela. But, Brian, the saddle is yours. Well, that's just it. Uh, you know, where do we start in the midst of this? I mean, uh, I think starting with uh, the chaotic realm of what's happening here in the United States has continued to further escalate, as uh, was brought up previously. Yep, the UN warned that we were heading towards civil unrest in the United States. And if everybody has been watching the interplay Back and forth between the left and the right, it's gotten to the stage where you can see that this thing's about to boil over. Now, there's a speech given, I believe it was about Wednesday, in Phoenix that just, as things were dying down within the uh, the media circus, because that's what it really seems to be, they don't concentrate on anything other than scandals about 88% of the time, and it's just nothing but a back and forth and back and forth about the nonsense that keeps coming out of the commander-in-chief's mouth, and it just flares up tensions even more. This week we had another um, person in a car drive into a group of protesters, and it completely vanished. 
from the media cycle. Found, I found that rather bothersome because when we just had one a few weeks ago, which nobody wants to call this domestic terrorism when this attack happened in Charlottesville. Yet we had another one happen, and they completely swept it under the rug. And it just gets to the point where it's just completely baffling. We had the order for uh, rounding up the uh, uh, IP addresses of people that looked at this uh, Trump protest site had gone into effect as well. So therefore now they're able to collect all this information by the Justice Department and whatever actions they deem necessary to take on this is where they're going to go next. And here's the problem spin that I've seen in this entire event that's been taking place over the course of the last few weeks here. Somehow the media has managed to spin this in making the people on the left that are protesting against the racism. And, you know, of course, the infamous uh, Antifa thing has been floating around out there. They managed to spin this in the direction and not to even mention a 100,000 signature petition that whipped through in a matter of no time to label this group as a terrorist group. Now, I'm rather curious how it is in this day and age that we can somehow get everybody's attention off the fact that we had Nazis marching around in broad daylight. And if folks, if you paid attention to the discourse that was coming out of their mouths, it was all aimed at the Jews. And yet somehow they're throwing petitions through to label one side as a terror group, the Justice Department is now being allowed to access the IP addresses of people protesting Trump. And yet somehow, it just leaves the nationalist, white supremacist, Nazi element unchecked. Doesn't make any kind of logical sense whatsoever. And I think herein starts to lie the issue with this because, you know, I've been going through some uh, a book written by an ex-Israeli uh, intelligence uh, worker, and he's worked on many policies throughout the Middle East and so on and so forth, basically trying to get up to speed on all the modern elements which are happening throughout the Middle East. You know, the things that he points out there in there really starts to trouble me because, you know, when you have a breakdown in the economics, when you have a breakdown in civil rights and, you know, these other varied aspects, this is what's led to extremism within the Islamic world. Yet what bothers me the most are these are the same factors that we are starting to see here in the United States. And people, I don't know if you really can wrap your mind around where this is heading at lightning speed. But if this current administration keeps up these tactics of intentionally flaring up the people on the streets, 
this is going to turn into full-blown absolute pandemonium and chaos. Now, of course, a huge part of this is this economic disaster that the United States is sitting in. And there's really, I don't see any kind of course from coming back from this. Now, you know, for instance, his speech that he did out there in Arizona this week, he once again threw out that we brought hundreds of companies back to the United States and manufacturing companies and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, the speech previous in the week that these racial tensions will flare down because there's going to be so many jobs for everybody. All right, folks, first off and foremost, I want you to go out there and do a search on how many of these uh, companies have, quote-unquote, supposedly been brought back to the United States because it's a joke. And he knows it, and pretty much anybody that looks into it knows it. He goes and he names the one company in Wisconsin that was given over $3 billion worth of uh, tax breaks in turn for a supposed 13,000 jobs. And those jobs, folks, this is where I'm going to call shenanigans. Because here's the way the manufacturing industry is working. And you can go out and look, and at least a couple of different articles came out in this last week. And anybody who has watched this stuff over the years knows this to be a fact. They do not do anything by hand in these manufacturing companies any longer. All done by automated services through robotics and varied odds and ends, and you end up only needing a few people to run these plants to do this. So this idiocy of claiming that all of these factory jobs are going to bring back people into the worker force is a joke. There's talk about raising minimum wage. Once again, it brought up the fact that any time that they do raise the minimum wage, for instance, even your only remaining jobs in many sectors, your service jobs like McDonald's, they turn around and they automate everything when they go into raising the minimum wage. One state this week turned around and dropped the minimum wage to $7.70. On top of it, they brought up what's been going on with the mass sell-offs in the stock markets. The euro is raising in comparison to the dollar at a rather high rate. We've got massive deregulation that has been happening here. Now, there's an article that came up in the Washington Post uh, entitled, What Trump Has Undone. You know, and this it states right in here in the first paragraph, despite Trump's claims, several presidents have signed more legislation than he has at this point in their terms. Despite Trump's claims, several presidents have signed more legislation than he has at this point in their terms. Okay, this is repeating this over and over again. Uh, President Trump has repeatedly argued that he's done more than any other recent president. That's not true. As measured by the amount of legislation he's been able to sign, it's true, though, that Trump has undone a lot of things that were put into place by his predecessors, including President Barack Obama. 
And this is where you might want to start paying to the list. For instance, the economy. Okay, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, we knew about that. Revoked a rule that expanded the number of people who could earn overtime pay. Reversal of rule that could, that would mandate that oil and gas companies report payments to foreign governments. Ended limits on the ability of states to drug test those seeking unemployment benefits. Revoked an executive order that mandated compliance by contractors with laws protecting women in the workplace. Repeal of the rule allowing states to create retirement saving plans for private sector workers. Canceled a rule mandating that financial advisors act in the best interest of their clients. So on and so forth. This keeps going and going. On top of it, we had an article that went hand in hand with this article as well. Uh, Friday Political reported that some representatives of the oil and gas companies are worried that Trump's moving too quickly to reverse regulations on their industry. Kind of where it boils down to things here, folks. As far as jobs go in the economic sector, his claims to bringing all these companies and factories back onto our soil, okay, this is not going to create jobs. Not unless you are fixing robots, sweeping floors, doing a few odds and ends. And they keep dangling this out there as if that's the way things work any longer. And that's, look, it's nonsense. Where are your jobs going to be at this stage in the game? Sadly enough, well, the entertainment industry is one of your biggest possibilities. Technical industries, Silicon Valley, service, and the big one. Because that's where we slide into the speech that it appears that pretty much was a flash in the pan and hardly anybody saying anything about The Afghanistan strategy, which is a speech that was given earlier the day before the Arizona speech, as a matter of fact. And basically to break that one down, they're going to be sending more troops into Afghanistan, which of course they didn't give a number. They're also basically cracking down on Pakistan as far as their connections to the Taliban and terror that's going on in Afghanistan, which is a, it's a bit of a debate, but nonetheless, a mass majority of people that have been watching this over the years have definitely indeed pointed the finger at Pakistan with connections and ties into the Taliban and other terror units that are working within Afghanistan. At the same time, he pointed out that they may be willing to work with Taliban after things are sorted out there. And this is sort of a hit and miss thing. <clears throat> it's understandable if you've looked into Afghanistan why he would have stated as such that they might be willing to work with Taliban within the governing body. Now, at the same time, something major he pointed out, and this is a huge, once again, alignment as far as the way the economic system is working not to even mention how all these alliances worldwide seem to be shifting on an unprecedented scale. But he pointed out major cooperation with India. Now, another thing that should be rather striking and shocking to most people, but wasn't new because they've actually already stated this earlier 
in the year if you were paying attention. That they were going to give generals on the ground the ability to not have to have oversight from the commander-in-chief. They were able to make their own battle plans on the ground and move as they see fit. No oversight allowing them to do whatever they need to do at a moment's notice. This, to a degree, can be kind of troubling. At the same time, looking at it from the aspect of as far as Islamic State works, to a degree, I can understand that because their command structure is set up in that way to be able to work on an improvisational pattern where their command structures are all separated from one another, where they're able to do what they need to do, etc. They're making a ploy and a play on that exact same strategy. Yet still, this, once again, this puts more power into uh, the general's hands, into the Pentagon's hands, not to even mention the intelligence communities. Jeremy uh, Scahill had released over on The Intercept in the last couple of days an article that was dead on the mark. And he entitled this, Trump may not finish his term but the assassination complex will live on. Basically, what he points out here is, especially with the fact alone that the press is fixating on one scandal after another after another to the point of keeping everybody in the United States spinning in circles, this is allowing the Pentagon and the CIA and all the rest of the intelligence agencies to just completely run out of control with no oversight, nobody paying attention to anything that's going on whatsoever. And it's rightly so. He brings in complete balance, letting everybody know, look, folks, you can point your fingers at the right wing. You can point your fingers at the left wing. But you better wake up to the fact that all of these governing bodies have been working in tandem to continually pull this stuff Non-stop. You know, for instance, consider for a moment that with the CIA, back when they had the church committees, they made it illegal for the CIA operatives to carry out assassinations. And yet, lo and behold, as we rolled forward, especially when it began to stand out during the Obama administration, now it's legal to use drones to make assassinations thereby eradicating anything that was brought up with the church committee. And their reasoning on how they do these assassinations is to the stage of ridiculousness. They basically look at somebody, put them on a list, because they may in the future go ahead and decide that they uh, might commit a terror act, and then they take them out on uh, maybe. No judge or jury, no trial, just executioners. This, on top of it, has led to a vast amount of civilian casualties where they don't even know if they ended up getting the person that they were going after in the first place. And lo and behold, a vast majority of these times, these people just show up all over again. This Kurdistan issue, 
on top of it now, is beginning to flare up major tensions in all of the nations involved. We have the referendum still on the table for the 25th of September, I believe, off the top of my head, for the Kurdish people in our bill to declare independence. I believe it was Mattis was out there this week that spoke with Erbil once again, trying to get them to back down because it could cause massive instability in Iraq as we speak. When, and the reasoning to this is essentially this. Within Iraq, we've got about a 60% Shiite population a minority of the Sunni population under that, and then the Kurdish corridor going along the Iranian border. The Kurds before the Sykes-Picot agreement were supposed to keep possession of their land, but of course, as the Western world tends to do, they set down their imaginary borders and completely swept the Kurdish people out of the equation. This move for independence is causing Turkey... And Iran now suddenly have become allies. This is unprecedented because they fought against each other nonstop during the Ottoman Empire. And now because of this Kurdish situation, they have become allies in this mix. Got the same situation going on up in Rojava in Syria, where once again Turkey and Iran have major issues with this, some of these groups are labeled as terror groups, both within Iran, where they've been fighting against them in Iran, as well as in Turkey, they've been fighting against varied Kurdish groups. So this is causing a great deal of controversy as we speak in the Middle East. To further flare things up on top of it, Netanyahu has been out meeting with Putin over the course of this last week flat out letting them know that basically them siding with the Assad regime and most notably with Iran in the region is giving Hezbollah a greater stranglehold over Syria. And the moment they see any kind of bases being built by Hezbollah in that region, if and when things continue to simmer down like it looks as if it may be, well, Netanyahu has come warned continually that they will immediately attack any of these bases that they see. On top of that, kind of a twofold, because we also, trying to find that article, the Mossad chief as well is siding with Netanyahu on Iran, and this is a complete shift. Because multiple Mossad directors did not agree with Netanyahu's actions and how much he has been ramping up the war drums with Iran. So this is a whole new change in direction, which brings this into an even more highly volatile situation. If Mossad actions start getting taken on Iranian soil... This could really heat things up. 
Nikki Haley with the UN on top of it has also been out basically uh, looking to get the IAEA to do stricter, up-to-date checking on what's going on with the Iranian nuclear program. On top of it, calling on varied things to be done about Hezbollah. So this Iranian thing, the tension is still massively there, and it's continuing to escalate, especially as far as Israel is concerned. And they've stated a few times here now over the course of the past few weeks that this stuff keeps up, that Israel will attack Iran. Now, when you factor this Kurdish thing in to the equation with that, this could cause such a mega explosion to rip across the Middle East again as things start to cool down. It just may reignite fuses all the way across the board again. Now, Matthew wanted me to bring up the Venezuela situation. Yesterday, we had sanctions that, more sanctions that were put into place by the United States. And actually, let me stop there for a moment on the infamous sanctions. We've had multiple sanctions that have went out here with Iran, North Korea, and Russia over the course of the last few weeks. And there's been mega warnings coming out, especially as far as Russia is concerned, stating that people, you need to wake up and knock it off with the sanction garbage because historically speaking, this has never led anywhere good and you are pushing all these nations towards war against you. What they did on top of it this week is they also nailed China with massive sanctions against a bunch of different banking institutions and varied manufacturing groups and so on and so forth. And when you look, any of these articles related to the sanctions, you're going to see one standout thing every time. It always mentions trade wars at the bottom. It's been brought up a few times here over the last few weeks, trade wars. And that's essentially what's going on here with these sanctions. Now, Venezuela, once again, was hit with massive sanctions as of yesterday. And... BBC, in this article, Venezuela says U.S. sanctions will lead to halt in oil exports. Which is not good because a vast majority of our Gulf states have rebuilt their refiners so that they can actually deal with the specific oil that is used that is in Venezuela that they can turn around and use for their gas. This would cause massive massive repercussions for the refineries along the Gulf states. And for instance, Venezuelan president calls for emergency meeting with U.S. oil buyers. So yeah, this could set all sorts of things in motion. But what other kind of oil deals do we have going on here? Found these right as we were, after we got on air. Egypt signs oil drilling deals with U.S. firms. Three deals signed with Apache, Merlin Oil 
corporations for about 80 million U.S. dollars, including the digging of 17 wells for oil exploration in Egypt's western desert. Iran is said to ink its oil swap deals with the Caspian Sea states. I would keep an eye on this right here and these pipelines because, folks, don't be shocked if these pipelines start getting hit. On top of it this week, Egypt had aid cut from it due to the fact that it cracked down on NGOs or non-governmental organizations. Basically, there was a decision to cut $95.7 million in aid and indefinitely withhold another $195 million in military aid. Because basically here, because of the fact that they its stance on civil liberties and specifically regards to a law that regulates NGOs. Now, folks, these NGOs have been known to be a problematic factor that has been used to instigate unrest and coups in other nations. This move by him to a degree, may have more to do with that than anything else. At the same time, this week, at first, because we had Kushner back out in the Middle East working towards the Middle Eastern peace deal with Israel, at first, Sisi wouldn't meet with them. It turns out the meeting did happen after this. And there's so many factors that are building with this as well. But something I found striking was the fact that earlier in the week, Egypt was in talks with Syria. And Syria last week held its major uh, trade uh, talks where, well, some rockets came in on top of it at the big trade talks as the Assad regime is more or less solidifying its hold back over Syria again. And here was the article out of Haaretz. And below to Iran, Egypt becomes surprised new player in Syria. And then what else do we have here? Because we have some other very strange odds and ends happening. All right, this one. Sovereign bedfellows, China and Saudi Arabia joined coffers for $20 billion investment fund. Details of a unique fund emerge as Riyadh attempts to overtake Moscow as a leading supplier of crude oil to Beijing. It's out of the hill. China-owned oil company cozies up to Washington. And let's see here. The Washington office, a Chinese state-oiled company, has turned to K Street to help it connect with the U.S. government amid tough talk on trade from President Trump. The work to represent the myriad of interests of Sinopec Group actually began in May 2016 before Election Day, but paperwork only recently appeared in a Justice Department disclosure database. The contract appears to have been extended another year until May 2018, 
Sinopec is paying 32000 per month. <coughs> the effort includes, and folks, I've pointed this out time and time again. Within the oil industries, it is a revolving door between CIA officers who go to the oil industries, come back to the CIA, and back and forth. And most notably, it's those that are aligned with the right wing that usually work within the oil industries. Next paragraph in this, the effort includes Mark Cohen, a former CIA officer who held executive branch posts in three GOP presidential administrations. And Lin Tian, the chairman of the Sinowin Technologies, who helped found the Asian Republic in coalition. Documents say they're handling the day-to-day management and coordinating the team's overall efforts, respectively. Let's see here. I already covered that. Covered that. Just making sure I got everything here before I hand this back over for the last few minutes. Yep, got that. Those are all the oil ones. And that's uh, those areas. I'm trying to think of any other odds and ends here. Yeah, I think that about covers it for the time being. All right, I'll hand it back over to everybody else so we can bounce stuff around for these last uh, 15 or so minutes. Good idea. Clinton, your uh, comments on what Brian and I covered, buddy? Well, it, it just seems like everywhere you look, there's there's numerous different things happening. I mean, we haven't even talked about the Category 4 hurricane that's taken out uh, Texas right now um, and all the oil rigs that are associated to that area um, and, and what kind of impact that is going to have on oil prices. Um, if Venezuela goes through more issues, that's going to affect oil prices. If there's war that breaks out in the Middle East, that's going to affect oil prices. Um, and so the, there, there's one other thing is right now the United States, uh, the, the consumers that we have, um, have the largest amount of credit card debt that they've ever had, um, higher than 2008. Well, the difference in 2008 is, if you guys remember, I mean, the gas prices were through the roof back then. So people have maxed out their credit cards to survive now. And when gas prices continue to go up, I mean, we're going to have some major issues with that. Um, you know, this, this issue with transferring everything to, from, you know, to Antifa versus looking at the Nazis and, and which group is right and which group is wrong or which group is less violent. It, you know, it's just, it's divisive. Everything is being divided. You know, even, even my wife and I, we were talking about how there's a division that's developing between athletes and non-athletes, you know, those that, that play football or, and those that don't, um, you know, I mean, right now there's, there's, you know, a lot of talk about how, even if you enroll your child into little league football, how that is considered child abuse. And, and so what is going to happen as these, controls come down into society and start regulating what we can, what sports we can play or what products we can use in our bodies or, you know, what, what we can truly believe. And this divisiveness is, is just going to expand. And it's, it's just very, 
kind of kind of scary to to look at to consider that you know I mean where does this lead us? Uh, where does this lead us? Not only from just Americans but across the globe, um, you know, to where we we don't know which group is is the good group and which group is the bad group or if there is a good group or I mean, what are people supposed to understand and what are people supposed to believe? And and that's why this time is so talked about throughout scripture is, is because of this craziness, this lawlessness, this decisive, the divisiveness that happens throughout the globe. And, and I mean, we, we can see it on a daily basis. It gets worse and worse and worse as, as it expands. So I'll pass it back over to you, Matthew. Well, I want to point this out. Um, I immediately caught it. I mean, last night I was watching the live feeds of the video, and the flags were staying on the flagpoles. And I just waited, and sure enough, one of the newscasters panned down far enough to show his screen. It was only 107 kilometer miles per hour. I, I knew. And sure enough, this morning I caught it, and... Uh, they had it on abc.com. Uh, this is a local news uh, news down there, so this is this is local. Here's the headline: Corpus Christi largely spared by Cat Four Harvey because it wasn't a Cat Four. Do your conversion from kilometers to miles per hour. 107 kilometers an hour is not not a category four, and. Be, as this was going on, like I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, I said, you know, you and I was wondering what – look, they have to jack up. They, they, they have to create a 70s oil embargo type of event, okay? And Brian and I was thinking, well, maybe this is it. Maybe we shouldn't talk about it because it's going to take out all those oil refineries. Now, now take note. Brian Dunn did the research. He told you these particular refineries that this hurricane was targeting – was made specifically for the grade of oil that comes out of the ground in Venezuela. Now, I don't know if if they're going to lie and say all those refineries were taken out to make the price skyrocket. I don't know. I don't know if uh, the only politician who had a brain, okay, there was only one that I caught that had a brain because it came out, uh, and I immediately posted it, that uh, the governor of Louisiana was praying for Texas. So I don't know if God immediately stepped in and told the host of heaven to throttle it back or what. I'm not sure… What's going to happen? But ladies and gentlemen, don't be surprised if you get a bunch of lies about this hurricane because it was no Cat 4. Okay? Um, you can look back uh, through your historical uh, weather videos and see a Cat 4 will rip a flag right off the pole. No uh, standard pole barn type metal structures will even stand. It will just take them right out. I mean, even hurricane straps on residential and commercial construction is not going to hold your trusses in place at, at Cat 4 winds. Ain't happening. 
ladies and gentlemen, vehicles go rolling down the road at Cat 4. So <clears throat> I'm not sure if they're just going to lie and say those refineries were taken out. I, I'm not sure what's at play. The only thing I hope is that the governor of Louisiana publicly come out and said he was he was praying for Texas, and it would be my hope that the Lord our God listened to his prayers and throttled it back for the many innocent people that were there. So I, I'm not sure what's at play here, but there's so many dynamics that, that – look, it, it, it it seems to me that all the politicians are are just feeding this this civil unrest, obviously for their own ends. Because during the hurricane, you come out and do the things that he did. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. What I mean. Going in and saying that uh, the – well, let me say it again. The kleptocracy, that's what we have. You need to wake up, ladies and gentlemen. You need to wake up. It's not Democrats. It's not Republicans. It's not left. And as Brian stated, it's not right. It's a kleptocracy, ladies and gentlemen. All these businesses, Eli Lilly I, – <laughs> They're a, they are setting into place the technical legalities in with which to plunder the American people. This ain't got nothing to do with white people. It's got nothing to do with black people. It's got nothing to do with Indian people. It's got nothing to do with uh, conservative people. It's got nothing to do with liberal uh, liberal people. It's a kleptocracy, and they are preparing to loot you to oblivion. That's what they're going to do. And they have you so mindlessly entertained that you're on one side of the aisle. It's pathetic. Ladies and gentlemen, it don't matter which side of the aisle that you're on when the building in with which you find yourself is a bank owned by a baron. And you can't even leave said structure without oil, without the precious black gold. Now, Brian and I have done ex – <laughs> we've done entire programs on this, ladies and gentlemen. You know that. You know that it is her blood. I've explained to you in highly technical detail how they find it. They fly over with a uh, gravimagnetic meter to find the deposits of oil. It replenishes its – and the Lord your God tells you quite plainly that in the end, she will no longer cover her blood. But that's all right. You don't, you don't have to believe the Lord. You don't. There's multiple references I've made on this program to the Bible God's Holy Word that all of you just outright rejected. But that's okay. Wait and find out. You're going to see that what came out of his mouth is exactly what's going to happen. Exactly. It's not going to waver to the left or to the right. Because you have forgotten that he doesn't care what you think. He don't care.
you have become infatuated with your retirement instead of the redemption he has provided unto you through his son's self-sacrifice. And you wonder why he says that he will tread the winepress himself when his fury comes up in his face. It absolutely amazes me. You know, I got a very interesting question from a German today. Very interesting question. <laughs> I'm not too good at German. took me a few minutes. Finally, I had to send it over to a prof buddy of mine. He's like, oh, you're a knucklehead. No, that's not what he's saying. Ah, he knew how to riddle Matthew. This teenage German wanted to know why none of his shepherds have had ever riddled unto him about the peace and safety of, well, 153. I know what it is. When I, I'm sure he's quite shocked when I pointed that out to him. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3. What's that? Yeah, it's 153. He wanted to know the Greek side where that took him. I said, well, that takes you to sevenfold. <laughs> As we chatted back and forth, he didn't quite understand what I meant. Well, that comes up four times in one chapter, and if you don't know that chapter, well, that means you need a hint. And that's proof that you don't have a clue. That's what that means, ladies and gentlemen. That's important that you know that. And if you don't know that, you really haven't had a shepherd to teach you. Okay? You, you need to know that. That's in direct reference. That's why Leviticus 26 has in it four times the phrase sevenfold. Because those two words, peace and safety, well, they don't mean exactly what your translation is telling you. And he was kind of confused about that. Well, I don't have my trans. What's wrong with my German translation? I've forgotten that <laughs> he reads a German Bible. I said, well, it means safety and security. Not peace and safety. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to believe what comes out of his mouth. He don't waste his breath. And he really don't care what your opinions are. He is no respecter of persons. And he's going to do exactly what he's detailed to you he's going to do. So... With that in mind, uh, Brian, uh, your comments on what uh, Clinton and I added to uh, the program there, and then uh, give out your websites and say goodbye for the week. Well, I mean, you brought up uh, quick there with the stuff that happened with these Gulf refineries in this uh, here with Venezuela and all of that. Yet, as far as, I mean, what I've been keeping an eye on, if indeed we see an effect from an oil shock, I think this is going to have to be on a much grander scale, especially throughout, for instance, Saudi Arabia, which now the fact that they're inking deals with uh, China really leads into a whole different uh, predicament here, which uh, you know, is further solidifying uh, – 
China's economic standing within the world. And, you know, they've risen to be the second most powerful player on the planet. But if that is the direction in which things go that caused this massive spike in inflation, that's a strong possibility. But yet something I've been considering here is, you know, for instance, look at what happened with the uh, stock market when in Phoenix this week, Trump made the comment about shutting down the government for building that wall. The more the civil unrest breaks out in the United States, the more this keeps affecting the economy worldwide. And every time one of these events happens, you're seeing spikes. If absolute and complete civil disrest breaks out in the United States, this could cause a shockwave through financial markets worldwide. And it just makes me wonder the more you watch things here, because when you consider... For instance, here's what the right wing is telling everybody, and I told folks to watch for this. You've got the uh, the infamous nationalism, white rider versus the red rider socialism. And the um, right wing propaganda networks are already telling people that the left wing is planning for a Bolshevik revolution coming up here in October. So they're already spinning this very deeply into the public conscious that this red versus white thing is breaking out as we speak. So that's just sort of a thought. We definitely have a lot of possibilities on the horizon as far as oil is concerned here. And yet, I don't know. The more the civil unrest breaks out you just wonder if one's going to lead to the next and this thing is going to boil over so hot it's just going to explode and this civil unrest is happening every single every nation you look at you see this breaking out all over the place people are fed up with the situations they're stuck in with this economic disaster that has happened worldwide civil rights are in terrible shape everywhere in the world. It's the same factors, the same continual factors that are just leading to the spiral where things are spinning vastly out of control. Yeah, major alliances shifting on the world stage as we speak, ones that were almost unfathomable years back. It's just a lot of stuff to keep your eyes on, folks, and see where this heads, but... I mean, I can say this now, what's happening here in the United States is leading nowhere good. And they keep claiming they're going to restoke the economy, more jobs and all that. Look, folks, look at the data. Look at the realities of things. Bringing back more manufacturing jobs in the United States is not going to do anything. He's fed people a complete line, and it's not going to work. So I don't know. It's just it's you can see this whole thing building to the point where it's about to boil over and explode. And when you factor in on top of it, too, all the food supply, just through environmental factors alone, we have massive heat waves ripped through much of the world. Causing massive destruction to the food supply. We've had massive flooding breaking out, fires, earthquakes, um flooding, you name, just all kinds of things, tsunamis, uh, we've had the, uh, what do you call it, you know, the hurricanes, different 
variants of the um, tropical storms whipping through all kinds of places. Uh, much, most of these deaths that are happening within the natural disasters are barely getting a blip in the uh, news sources. Just everything is spinning. It's just spiraling so quickly here, folks. So it's a lot to continually keep your eyes on here, but word of advice, you know, don't even bother with your Western news sources from the United States. And even as far as a lot of the Britain ones, they're just going to keep you spinning in the same circles. You will not see beyond their little media circus that they're using to keep everybody in the dark. And it's it's gotten bad in the United States. Every five minutes, there's some new scandal. And it's not as if the old issues have disappeared. It's just they decided they're not going to talk about them anymore. So... That said, folks, you can uh, find me on Overt Attention Show on Twitter, overtattentionshow.com. And if you want to contact me, uh, thebandsoftime at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. God bless. Let me please uh, state this before we get uh, Clinton's closing comments. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, when I'm on air, uh, please don't send me messages. Uh, that's reserved for Brian and I and Clinton when we're in live stream, but I will answer your question because it's important. Yes, you heard Brian correctly. Brian's been saying this for a while. Uh, Brian and I did multiple shows on this. Ladies and gentlemen, the right wing is the white. The left wing is the red rider. Please do your historical research, Brian, and I have just put in an exhaustive amount of hours so you could see that simple fact. Yes, that's what Brian meant. That's what I meant. Yes. The right wing is the white writer of Revelation chapter 6. The left is the red writer. In Revelation chapter 6. So I hope I put that plainly enough. <clears throat> but uh, Clinton, get on here and give us your closing comments. And please do not forget to uh, get your websites out there. You know, everyone, uh, thank you for your support. Uh, it's absolutely amazing to be here with you guys. Um, and, you know, everyone can find me, uh, you know, look at clintoncowatch.com. My last name is spelled K-O-W-A-C-H. Um, you can also find me on Twitter. Uh, just type in at clintoncowatch and you'll find me there as well. Um, you know, I mean, everyone can try to prepare for what's coming the best that we can. But the truth is we're not meant to hold on to what we have here. We're meant to store up our riches in heaven. So if you guys always keep that in mind, then when we're facing what is coming our way, it's easier to take um, knowing that everything you have here is nothing. And, you know, everything you'll gain is everything. So, you know, God bless and good luck. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for this week's broadcast. I certainly do hope you took notes. If you seek me, you will find me. I'm Matthew Miller.
and I am a servant of the Lord my God. With all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, do I wait and hope for his son's return. May the world be made to know this one thing. I hope in my redemption. It is precious to me. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed. <laughs>